<laughs> Believe it or not, everyone, we have a sponsor once again. Uh, this time, it's something a little sweeter. Choco Grams. You know we love food. I don't know if you're That's familiar we're with known Andy Secunda. The Choco Gram folks reached out to us. We were like, hey, we like eating. How did you know that? We've kept it a secret long enough. Uh, but they said, we'd like to advertise your show. And, and Andy and I were like, okay. Uh, can you send us chocolate? You're all probably sitting at home still. You've run out of things to do with children. May I recommend you get the chocolatier in them out with the DIY kits from Chocograms? You can throw anything you want in there. Very easy to do and not nearly as uh, difficult as I thought it would be. Andy, I, I hear, I hear yeah. you got yourself some already made bark. I did. I, I, I think that uh, my friends over there at Chocograms realized that I wanted the, the quickest route between myself and stuffing my face. So. Between, between, your fo- between the food and your stomach, you wanted <laughs> yes. the quickest route. I got um, okay. Although I definitely want to try the DIY bar kits in the future. They also sent me, um, I haven't, I haven't uh, got to dip, dip into these, but they're hot cocoa bombs that are different flavors of chocolate you drop into, into the stuff, and then it's got marshmallows inside. It's just, it seems unbelievable. They yeah, sent me a birthday oh. cake one. I'm a white chocolate fan. Uh, I know it's controversial with a lot of people. It's got sprinkles in it. Delicious. They get all their uh, ingredients from Europe, which, uh, if you ask me, is just fancier. Yeah. And you can taste the difference. This is not like that garbage Hershey chocolate where it's like a little <laughs> chalky and you're like, what am I eating? This is delicious, high-quality chocolate, and they send it to your house. The last one, let me just say, the last one that I requested special because I, I really needed to try it is the Chicago mix, which is milk chocolate with cheddar cheese and caramel popcorn sprinkled with cheddar cheese powder. It was amazing. I really, uh, I was like, well, I just gotta have a few, it's the afternoon, and I just kept stuffing that one in my face. Go to ilovechocograms.com, that's I-L-O-V-E-C-H-O-C-O-G-R-A-M-S.com, and enter the promo code Frank Sinatra. Come on. At checkout, all one word, for 15% off your first order. <laughs> They're clearly fans of the show. For 15% <laughs> off your first order, all you have to do is type Frank in... Frank Sinatra, oh, come on! There you <laughs> go! It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> for Frank Sinatra, come on! So head to I Love Chocograms to type in Frank Sinatra, come on, at checkout. You want some pre-made bark, you want the marshmallows, whatever you want to get... Head over there, type in Frank Sinatra, come on, all one word, to save 15% off your first order. Please, please support them, because uh, if you do, then we won't feel bad for uh, saying, yes, you can do an ad on our show. Dragging them into our muck. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Chocograms. <laughs> I love Chocograms.com. Promo code Frank Sinatra, come on. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. 
Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the galaxy's number one podcast for Jellico fans. I'm Matt. I'm Andy, and we're doing it my way. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were the captain, I'd be like, all right, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> sure. But that's just me, a good first Rude officer. and aggressive for no reason. He's not rude. He's aggressive, yes. <laughs> But he's not rude. Uh, you, you, I don't even know. You, you, you don't. You're not a big fan of uh, of authoritarians that aren't aren't uh, you know polite and reasonable. I think he's polite and reasonable. Honestly, no, I can't hear you, Matt. I don't know what happened. Oh no! Did you unplug anything on your end? Nothing. I changed nothing. I I changed nothing. Uh, I don't know. Plug. Check your plug. <laughs> Are you messing with me? No. But now I can hear you. Check your. Did you check that. your plug? The plug was fine. That's very strange because I did nothing. Oh, weird. All right. Look, this is the. It's exactly the kind of thing that Jellico wouldn't have happening on his ship. <laughs> I think it's exactly the kind of thing that would happen because everybody would be so exhausted they wouldn't know which end was up but they'd be working less because it's a four man it's a four rotation so like I mean everyone's gonna be well, like this got, is great I've got less look, I have to work less I can spend more time I'll, in the holodeck I have a hail regarding that all I can tell you Matt is this was I I'm pretty sure the most emphatic and plentiful hail response we've ever gotten. Uh, there were on the in the Patreon there were there were I think ninety nine responses, which is by far the the hugest response. He you and, know uh, he's a polarizing. The face group Jellico. is on fire. It's you know it's uh, it's crazy. Jellico is a hot button topic in the world of Trek. Always has been. Has it uh, has it really been? Yeah. Has this has this debate been going on for yes. time immemorial? Yes, it's been going on for twenty years, thirty years yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, we'll get to the debate so shortly. Good writing. Right now, yeah. we should just head over to the Admirals Club. No, no. And whoa, no. <laughs> we we just left the Admirals Club, and then here you go, Matt. Would you have them watch this episode? You don't want a cliffhanger, do you? You gotta find out what happened to Picard. And now. <laughs> Welcome to the Admiral's Club. Haven't used that one in a while. <laughs> we haven't. I'd forgotten that existed. There you go. Um, uh, it's one, uh, one in Midi to the Admiral's Club. And well, it's hang on. Good, okay. The. the 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 time I play the song that doesn't actually tell you how to get in the Admirals Club. Oh, you're right. You forget to ask. <laughs> We're both discombobulated. <laughs> oh my word, Matt! How do yes, Andy? they get into oh. this Admirals Club? Well, you wouldn't know because this song doesn't tell you. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review, and you'll be in the Admirals Club. And uh, we might select <laughs> your review to read on the show. Andy, we have one this week. I hear. Who is it? It's Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker, uh, who sent a hail because he said, "Hey, Andy." And Kyle Barker does the uh, beautiful and hilarious uh, TNC comics at, at great expense of time to himself. He creates these amazing comics uh, with both of us, 
uh, in action figure form, uh, going on uh, little adventures. It's a, I mean, uh, really, it's a slightly <laughs> modified. Uh, it's not even a. Mo- I mean, it's like Barkley and Riker. Who, by yeah. the way, if I you know was taller and lost weight, that's what I'd look like. And I think the Barkley figure's not a bad representation of yeah, Andy. It's, it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, to be honest, I think his hair is a little bit lighter than the actual Barclays. If the action figure's hair was uh, a little bit uh, darker, then I think it'd be actually right on the money. Um, whatever the case, Kyle Barker writes us. Uh, hey, Andy and Matt, I use Google Podcasts to listen to the show, uh, but they have no review function, <laughs> so I've made my review in the form of a new TNC comic. Uh, I will share it on my own Facebook page, the Face Group, and the TNC Comics Instagram page. He's got his own Instagram page if you want to look up the past ones. Uh, when I get around to updating it, wink emoji Andy. Uh, that's a comment on my very rare updating of the Instagram page. Uh, <laughs> and then he writes override code C0M30N. Do you have any idea what that means? Uh, come on. Oh, come on. I, I, I guess that counts as pun blindness. Andy um, is very bad at guessing passwords also. Once you throw a number in for a letter, he's a, he can't figure it out. License, Andy license three, plates four. confuse the shit out of him. <laughs> um, it all looks random to me. Um, and uh, so I'm just going to read this, but then I'm also going to post. Maybe it's pointless to read it. I'll do it. I already committed. Uh, first, it's Q. <laughs> is this ridiculous? I'm just going to put it on the Instagram page. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> he's, doing a, either, he's doing a face palm right now. Either option is not ridiculous. What's ridiculous is you. <laughs> the debate? Yes, with yourself. <laughs> Look, I, I like to make the right decision. Okay. It's something I'm committed to. And uh, sometimes there takes a lot of discussion with myself and my lower-ranking officer, myself. Uh-huh. Well, um, uh- All right, I'll read it. Uh, what do I think <laughs> of the Star Trek Next Generation, Next Conversation podcast? That's Q talking. Uh, it's quite uh, sub rosa that this podcast exists. If you haven't heard it, uh, the loss is yours. These are all in quotes for titles. It's hosts. Uh, one is Angel One, a man of the people. <laughs> that has to be me. Their reviews uh, follow their own code of honor. They wear no masks, quote, uh, or show, quote, shades of gray when it comes to um, bringing an episode to, quote, justice. And then we're facing Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, come on. Quote, the child, quote, Aquil said it best. Uh, and then in French, and I'm going to mangle this. Je ne pouvais pas mettre les deux derniers noms dans. Andy's accent corner. <laughs> it's going to be shit. <laughs> sure is. Um, my power, and then it's Q says, my power allows me to give it five stars. Uh, I'm going to put that on the Instagram, which is just at Star Trek TNC. Because um, you know what? It's not chronological, so I won't be breaking any chronological rules. Um, check it out. Thank you, Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker, and your ongoing commitment to what I can only consider outsider art, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new folk art. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, and enjoy the Admirals Club. Uh, we'll leave you in here as we head into the President's Circle.
yes. It's the President's Circle. If you want to become a member and get up to four podcasts extra every single month, head over to Star Trek TNC's Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. There you'll find all the info you need to support this podcast and get yourself a whole bunch more content. Andy, who's getting the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor? Well, uh, it was very tough to pick this this uh, month because there was just so many uh, interesting, smart uh, commentary to be seen. Um, so I, uh, I just picked these three. Um, one is Lieutenant Scott Lieberman, who writes... When Picard was captured and was told, in this room, you don't ask questions, I ask and you answer, Picard should have simply requested a different room. (laughs) And then Mark C. built on that joke, uh, and in that room over there, you ask and I answer, (laughs) which I thought was funny. Uh, And then the other Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee is Lieutenant Tom Bondurant, Bondurant, I said it right every time except for that time. My apologies, Tom. Uh, And uh, it's appropriate that I screwed it up because he writes us, um, all with phonetic spellings, the following, Admiral Nechayev, with a giant chai, just needs to update her Patreon username with a phonetic spelling. Then she and Deanna, with a big N, can discuss the the MCU who could uh, play Namor the Submariner or wherever... Or, we, uh, or whether to recast Magneto, which I think are all debates we've had about pronunciations or mistakes that I've made. Is it Submariner? Is that a, a debate we've had? <laughs> Have I been saying it wrong? Uh, how do you say it? Uh, Submariner, that's how I say it. Mariner. I don't know Ma- if I'm wrong or right. Yeah. You know, no one's reading comics to me. No, it's true. But, well, I guess they could be. I mean, look, like I, I, don't, did. I don't know how to pronounce Mitzablik until... Until the cartoon, until they told me how to do it, <laughs> <laughs> you would. I guess you just the only thing you would have needed to know how to pronounce is Schizophlem in order to get rid of him. There you go. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. So that uh, means it's time for some priority one messages, correct? That's correct. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, chain of command part one generated a lot of buzz, and here's what those in the Patreon have to say about it. They get priority one access to our mailbag. If you'd like to send a message and make sure we get it, join. Who's first? Lieutenant Eric Peoples. Uh, So this is, we're just kicking it right off. It was so many strong opinions uh, and I gotta say on both sides uh, which I think uh, speaks to a good conversation between us Um, Lieutenant Eric Peoples writes I disliked Jellico for 30 years right up until Matt made the season finale analogy I never thought of it that way and it makes perfect sense came in team Andy left team Matt gonna (laughs) need new merch I don't even remember what the analogy was but thank you I oh, think if I we, was if, about yes. being a showrunner. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, and uh, what you would do, how you would act different in the middle of the season or at the end of the season. Right. Uh, Lieutenant Mark C, transporter chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside Straight and head of the even more secreter inter- organization within Zadvash. Oh my gosh, there's secrets within secrets. <laughs> uh, he says it's that's funny. So secretive, we use our front door. <laughs> Um, he says, that's funny. I came in Team Matt and left Team Andy. I used to like Jellico, but now see him as too rigid and lacking creativity. 
Um, <laughs> that's just that's just Riker's line. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, he nailed it. You know, he's just jumping on board. Look, he's really I mean, on Team look, Riker when you, you live, think about you it. You live on Riker's planet long enough, it's uh, you're gonna pick up some Rikerisms. But that's where uh, Rupert Candle's inside straight is docked. You want to agree if you want to get that pizza. Uh, Lieutenant David Powers writes, uh, fairly sure I won't be the only active or former military to chime in on this, but Matt hits the nail right on the head between Jellicoe and Riker. Everyone in the military knows that when you're given an order, you got two choices, either follow it or resign. If you don't agree with the order, uh, but aren't willing to resign over it, the only course of action is to follow the order and then discuss your problems you with go. it afterwards. Um... And then uh, Mark C. added to that, but we've repeatedly heard that it's the first officer's job to raise concerns and alternatives to the captain. To quote Picard regarding data in another episode, Starfleet does not want officers who blindly follow orders. Yeah, but I don't think anything that Jellico was asking Riker to do would be so detrimental. Well, this is the thing that the, was the, the recurring problem for me in the debate, is we don't know who's right. We're, so we so we're sort no, of left to just judge. They're both right. I mean, they, like Riker's correct in that it will create personnel problems. They'll sort it out eventually, but he doesn't do anything about it. Angelico's right because he wants a four duty rotation. Four what do you mean rotation. he doesn't? What do you mean he doesn't do anything about it? He just. They, he hears what they're saying, and then he decides that he's not going to follow, follow through orders, with the captain's mean. orders yeah. just because it'll create personnel problems? <laughs> well, the, the personnel problems is where I have the question of, like, to what degree are the things that he's asking for things that you shouldn't do on the Enterprise? Look, we've seen Data run the ship by himself. It's not that hard. <laughs> That's really what he should have done. He just should have said, I want you to put a data in charge of everything on the ship. <laughs> um, uh, and David Powers basically, you know, supports your perspective on that is true, but there's a time and a place for that. Barring an unlawful or egregiously bad offer uh, order, that time is afterward and not in front of the rest of the crew. Uh, Lieutenant Ian Buckley uh, adds, I was also surprised how much less bothered by Jellico I was uh, this time around. And Matt had some really fair points about respecting him, chain of command. But uh, a couple arrows for Andy's rhetorical quiver. Jellico does indeed seem to be well read on the Enterprise and her systems and staff when he arrives. But we see a number of examples in the series where knowing the system specs is not the same as hands-on experience. Dr. Brahms knows the Enterprise engines better than anyone on paper. Jordy explains the changes they have made to the systems over time, and she eventually understands this point. Jellicoe at no point shows any interest in this sort of distinction. And then number two, I'm a little unclear on how much time passes in the episode, but Data says it'll take two days of all of engineering working around the clock to make modifications. Jellico, uh, to make the modifications to Jellico orders. And later in the episode, Jordy says a full third of his engineers have been reassigned to security. Was that before the work was done? It would be substantial mismanagement to demand a task. I think it was before the task. work was done. <laughs> a certain time while simultaneously hamstringing the person in charge of doing it. Um, Lieutenant CR writes, if you'd done a memory beta segment, you'd know that Jellico's parents were tortured and killed by super-intelligent goldfish 
from the moon of Antity 3, which explains his demands for Livingston's removal. I believe it's in the third Fins of Fury book. That uh, is so ridiculous that I want it to be true, but it probably isn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not true, but it is funny. Um, off topic, Lieutenant Daniel Fashing writes us um, on, uh, on our favorite under five player, Petty <laughs> Yasutake. Yes, uh, Petty Yasutake may get her due. Don't know if you're aware, but there's a new podcast uh, out there called All the Asians in Star Trek, where the host interviews Asian actors that are in the movie, series, or both. <laughs> uh, it's only two episodes in, but so far the host has interviewed the actor that played Daniel Kwan mm-hmm. in the seventh uh, season episode, Eye of the Beholder in TNG, and the actor that played test administrator in J.J. Abrams' track during the Kobayashi Maru scene. Uh, it's definitely worth a listen and we may just get uh, the Patty Yasutaki interview we didn't know we needed but definitely deserve. <laughs> I'm very curious to hear that. That is, uh, I love how niche podcasts can be. <laughs> I love it. Uh, our old friend Lieutenant Cosmo Moore on the same Livingston uh, point writes hashtag screw Jellico, hashtag leave Livingston alone. Uh, some of you may remember that his own uh, uh, Twitter uh, feed was uh, at Livingston Picard uh, before they uh, made him change it to, I think, Starfleet panels. And oh man, I'm so sorry. Who's Cosmo. the, who's the they? I'm guessing it was Ronnie Cox. Um, Ronnie Cox who, was who like, made him, get this, made him get this handle out of here. <laughs> oh, it's Starfleet Panels. Check out his uh, his uh, Twitter feed. It's Starfleet Panels. And he writes, who do you think, who do you guys think Livingston stayed with until Picard got back? Barkley? Did they dump him in the tank with the dolphins and whales? Uh, I bet he went to, like, Riker's quarters. Like, yeah. you know, probably like next to his bathroom. It's, we don't see it in, in 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 part two, but that's where I feel like the the fish went. It's the two creatures on board that were relieved. Well, yeah, it's also Riker. like you can't put him in. You can't put him with Data because you know Spot might eat Livingston. Yeah. So. And and Crusher, the natural choice, is off on a, on a on a secret mission, so they can't give it to Crusher. She's the natural choice because of her relationship with Picard. Yes, she seems like Livingston's godmother. Yeah. I bet Worf would do a good job with Livingston. Worf was also on assignment. That's true. I think Riker. Yeah, maybe we just maybe we just shot out the airlock. Do we see him after this? Do you think if you put I mean I guess you couldn't put a real fish in a hollow deck water, right? Oh yeah, maybe they let him swim in the ocean. Right, but I think that real I don't think it's real water. Right? I tell you, my cat would love it if I allowed him to just roam the jungle. Well, I think that's it. You should get a holodeck. All right, that settles it. Andy has a holodeck. What does he use it for? <laughs> well, he just makes a jungle for his cat to roam around. Oh, that's nice. I care about my cat. Omar Little. Uh, all right. Uh, Lieutenant Jerry Canavan writes us, I'd like to see you guys do the... So there were a lot of opinions. Um, don't, don't get all worked up. Uh, I'd like to see you guys do a TNG DS9 alternation as that would mix things up a bit and also match the way the two were originally aired. There are moments where the two resonate with each other in interesting ways too with weekly episodes that just seem to be aimed at completely in, in completely different directions thematically. 
I think it'd be especially interesting for a little inside baseball, crack of the bat, to talk about how breaking a single production team into two shows changes the way series production works. So there were a lot of opinions uh, in on the uh, Priority One messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I will say that uh, our friend Neil Studd put up a posting uh, with a... Um, uh, with a poll, yeah, and uh, uh, because I was I was starting to get swayed that maybe maybe the way to do it is to alternate, even though right, it's almost impossible for us to figure out what the next episode is. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, and it came down to uh, the first uh, option is finish all of TNG before starting DS Nine. Two hundred forty three votes. Yeah, starting. Uh, start overlapping TNG and DS9 episodes in the order that they were broadcast, 131 votes. That's actually even closer than I thought it would be. You thought it would be in favor wildly of... or You yeah, I you thought, thought TNG, going ahead with TNG was going to win hands down. Yeah, I thought it would be a much higher percentage than that. Like How, why I, is that? Uh, you know, completionists, people worried that we'll die before this is over, you know. <laughs> We're not the healthiest bunch. <laughs> Matt, I just want you to know, if I die, you are not allowed to replace me. I mean, look, <laughs> if you died, I would never replace you. I don't would. move on without me. That is, don't, don't just stay right. stuck in place. Uh, there were a couple of other options. Every, from Josh every episode, I would just, every week, I would just watch the same episode of TNG. <laughs> yeah, don't even move forward in episodes. Like, is, Just stay on chain of command. This was the last one that Andy was alive for. Uh, <laughs> episode 405, chain of command part two. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you remember Andy was on the side of Jellico being a bad leader, and I was... Uh, um, there are a couple of other options that were headed there. You got 10 votes for Start Babylon 5, Don't Finish TNG, Do Crimes. Uh, that was from Josh, Lieutenant Commander Josh Bald. Uh, and then uh, just have Andy watch Emissary for context. That's five votes. And then the last one is obviously stop TNG right now and go watch Kirk, Spock, and the original crew. That Whoa. only had two votes. That would snap uh, By the way, that's on our stack, Star Trek Next Conversation face group on Facebook. Andy, why didn't you to. tell me that? We're, we're not in the face group section yet. This is the end of the face group. Well, fine. <laughs> All right. In any event. Um, Lieutenant Brandon Davis writes us, I'm curious what the timeline is on this two-parter. How long did Picard, Crusher, and Worf train? How long is Picard with the interrogator? Uh, also, is the Admiral a Cardassian spy? We don't know how the Cardassians knew Starfleet would select Picard to lead the mission to investigate. Well, we do. And if you watch part two, like, granted that was sent with when part one was out. But if you watch part two, Data says only three Starfleet captains have experience with that. And Captain Picard is the only one still serving in Starfleet. Right. But it seems like that's a huge leap to assume that he would be sent on a, on a strike force mission where they could capture him. Just because he's the only one that has the information. He's he, just well, he's I mean, we don't know how delicate, uh, you know, that stuff is. Uh-huh. So you want to you wanna take the least amount of chances you can, so you send the guy who knows it best. Frankly, that 
it seems as as has been commented in many hails uh it and as i said last week it seemed like a leap that they would even send him on a mission that was or even if they were going to send him on a mission they should send him with like a bunch of highly trained deadly you know whatever the equivalent of navy seals is in the future section 31 you know what section 31 is and they're more i guess they're spies i guess they must have a team inside section that, 31 that is what section 31 is yes they're spies, but You'll, no, they're like not spies. They do spy. Spies. They do spy for sure, but they also do other things. You'll find that out in season five of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> we need a jingle for Matt being frustrated that he can't talk about something because he'll spoil it. Um, all right, Lieutenant Mar- Marcus Erlinson writes. Absolutely love the discussion between Matt and Andy. Like Matt, I. F- I found I warmed to Jellico watching it as I've moved up the corporate ladder. I still think he's a deeply flawed person, but the crew seems to have the most issue with the fact that his leadership style is so different than Picard's. Jellico is a very authoritarian leader, while Picard is almost the role model of consensus-based leadership. I personally think an effective leader adapts to the leadership style that works best for the people below them. I have seen the dynamics of this type of leadership change in the real world a number of times, and this is one of the most realistic portrayals of that scenario I've seen on screen. In addition to adding an extra duty shift, I think Matt is underplaying the difficulties in finding extra leaders in each department. Hopefully, being the flagship, there are uh, plenty of strong candidates available but they would be untested, which is not really ideal for a potentially dangerous situation upcoming. I guess Jellico assumed there was a glut of leaders in the rank. It's also not easy for the rank and file to adjust uh, their sleep schedules to match the new schedule. Uh, um, yeah, but they can relax with more holodeck time. But also, like t- I've got to assume, the way Jellico studied the crew manifest, he knows who's on the ship. You know yeah, what I mean? but he doesn't. He knows who can fill whatever role. Is he? Who, you're saying just from the crew manifest? Yeah, the, you know, everybody Starfleet records, and you know, he was ignoring Riker's record. He wasn't. He didn't ignore Riker's record at all. He had read it, but he clearly wasn't weighing it as truthful. He what had decided mean? right off the bat that no, he didn't it, decide off the bat. He decided after a number of orders were not followed. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, whatever the case, even in, th- in that case, then it would be like, all right, then his record doesn't match who he is. No, so. it's not what he's, it's like his record doesn't, he's not a fit for me. You know, that's what, that's what Jellico has to feel. I don't, he's saying he thinks he's a bad first officer. He says it in this yes. part too. Yes, he does. He thinks he's a bad first officer. He doesn't just officer. think he's not a good fit for And uh, Riker thinks he's a bad captain. If you're... Yeah, I know. I mean, but what's going to happen when they have to share a room? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... we got to finish that sitcom, Matt. We da, just have to. Da, da, da. <laughs> um, Andrew Gibson writes... Uh, see, I had a totally different reaction, Jellico. I figured he was written to appear suspicious. Oh. Is he just a gruff captain, or is he a traitor turned during the negotiations and is deliberately trying to wreck the Enterprise so it will tank in a crisis? That feeling grew as it becomes more apparent that there's some kind of double-cross. Maybe my reaction says more about me than the show, but my two cents anyway. I did not. I gotta say, I, I love that. this theory. I didn't feel that I at think all. 
Look, clearly somebody t turned over on them. Somebody was feeding these people information. They were too ready for that, for that, uh, for those, for, for Picard and his team. But that down was there. the trap they set for them. Of course they were ready. They set yeah, the but trap. How did they know that the trap was going to end up in a small team of people going that way? Because you can't send a large team of people in because the sensors would probably pick up any ship big enough to carry a large team in. That seems like that is a convenient uh, logic. I'm just using the world established and coming up with reasons why they wrote the story the way they wrote it. Is the in the world that's been established, is it easier to see a big ship than a small ship on a scanner? Isn't a yes. scanner a scanner? It no. tells you it's there, it doesn't no. tell you it's there. No. Alright. Um Lieutenant Carl Moore. Uh, writes us, also, I was always in the anti-Jellico crowd, but after rewatching it before listening to the pod, I've changed my views a bit. Yes, I think he's quite arrogant and egotistical in places, and the fact that he makes such radical changes to the Enterprise when it already runs smoothly, especially as it's a temporary assignment. Uh, I'm a retail store manager, and I was always taught that when taking over a new store, the best way to do it is to go in with an open mind, get to know the team and how the store operates rather than going in all guns blazing and making changes. Yeah, but what if you went in before Black Friday? That's a really good point. I mean, come on. That's your that's your Kardashian that's negotiation. That's going to be crazy. It's like you got to get it the way you want it. Um the way you learn what's that that way you learn what works well and what doesn't and then start to implement implement any changes gradually uh with hopefully the buy-in of your team however starfleet is essentially a military organization built on a chain of command and jellico was sent in with a specific purpose to negotiate and prepare for a big space battle which was briefed to the senior officers so being good starfleet officers they should have gotten on with it uh riker as the first officer should be publicly sporting his new captain um which is your whole point uh and that is it for priority one messages that is, that does it so now i guess we should head out of the president's circle and yes. uh into the hallway captain we are being hailed uh here is a hail uh, hi, Matt, Andy and Matt. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys for all the content you have been cranking out the past few months. Hope you and your families are safe and he safe and healthy. This is from Kaz, you. who is also known as Captain Crandall in the... Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I also wanted to commend you on taking my advice and installing Soundboard and on the three-year anniversary of its suggestion. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Matt's doing a great job with all the audio. I think that you decided it on your own. And I never, I never made the adjustment when he suggested. Uh, anyway, he's attached two sound clips. The first is Alexander's Laughing Hour. Great for those crack-up jokes. <laughs> Do you want to play that one? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> the higher the fewer. Love it. The second is Devanani Ral. I've noticed you guys might trip over your introductions. I'm suggesting doing it as such. I'm Matt, I'm Andy, and then this clip. And I'm Devanani Rao. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who that was until I heard the voice. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Swarthy guy from the genetically perfect, uh, whatchamacallit. Right? One of the, 
Yeah, that's it. One of the great. He's definitely he's one of one of the terrible one of the great toy romances. One of the great space names, also. Yeah. Keep up the mediocre work. <laughs> but not uh, and then we have one uh, thing that I pulled from the face group because of all of our debates about shifts. So then this is the face group section. Photoshop Matt with Data's cat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. This is from Stephen Paul Heckert. Oh, wait. Is this from Norman Birthmark? Oh, crap. Did I blow this? Hang on one sec. Um, all right. I'm going to figure it out. I'll figure it out later. Right now, I'll just read it. Uh, gamma shifting, if we are to assume they're still doing an eight-hour shift, means that there is a two-hour overlap on the sixes, alpha, this is from an ex-military man, clearly, or a current military man. Uh, alpha shift runs from 614 beta, from 1220 delta, from 818 to 2. Uh, we're having only a three-shift only a three shift rotations, meaning zero overlap. Doesn't sound like a big deal on paper, but it is a major shakeup. Consider just the bridge that an entire watch group you have to fill you have to reduce the number of crew available per watch by 33%, but you have to do it uh, in each watch from the highest officer on that watch to the lowest crewman. Then form that into an entirely new team. That's really something you want to ease into. Otherwise, whatever advantage that provides you is simply negated by the confusion it creates. What they should have done uh, was an entire shift from the Cairo transfer over to the Enterprise plus a third of her command staff. Uh, this whole operation stinks of being planned up uh, by a REMF focusing uh, too much on operational security to the point that no one knows what to do. A REMF, by the way, uh, in, is slang for a real rear echelon motherfucker, <laughs> a soldier far from the front, especially during the Vietnam War. Um, let's see. Uh, it's just wrong on way, so many levels. It's a good solution. There really is a good solution. Also, probably Jellico would have been more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. In order to go from delta shifting to gamma shifting, every department needs to de designate their most experienced subordinate as their executive, and then they designate four officers of the watch, and from there shuffle the rest of the crew into four shifts. I'm sorry I keep typing because I'm trying to think while I write this, but it's all just a bad idea. And that's not uh, including the extra maintenance and battle drills he is running. But he does not say anything okay. about whether or not Riker should have followed his orders. What do you mean? Well, he just says this is a bad idea, and he just lays out all the reasons that Riker gave to... <laughs> I mean, it's a much better, a more in-depth explanation of it. But he's laying out the same reasons Riker's laying out. I don't need your reasons. Just fucking do it. Your your debate is independent, or yes. your point yes. is independent yes. of whether he's right or wrong that Riker should have followed him. Yes. The, the orders. And I really can't, I can't dispute that. I think you're right on that. But I do think it, if we're addressing the issue of whether he's a good leader or not, coming onto the ship and then having someone go, oh, I don't know if we should do that because X, Y, and Z, 
even if it's a battle situation, you might want to hear the guy out. I think and that he makes should him a bad do leader. it, and then on your next alpha shift, when you're sitting next to the captain, then discuss it. Yeah, but wouldn't the chaos already have been created if you? I, I think you're imagining like sparks everywhere, people running back and forth. <laughs> like, gotta get out of here. The next shift's starting. Like, it's L- it wouldn't. Look, this gentleman is like telling that. us that there's a lot of uh, no. a lot of blowback. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's a little unsettling and confusing, but I think they could get through it. It's the flagship of the Federation. <laughs> well, that's not what Riker thinks. <laughs> <laughs> the Enterprise can do anything except change to a four-rotation situation. Look, we have to assume what the what the characters are telling us. You, you're just deciding to listen to the new character that we've never seen before, and we have no no evaluation of whether he's competent or not. I mean, look, they gave him an Excelsior class ship. He seems to be pretty competent. I think he's 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 a um. Well, I don't know what you call like some some guy working the political system with an Achayev. Maybe they even have some kind of a, you know, an agreement or something. Or maybe they're both they're both spies for the Cardassians. I mean, they, they, did, they didn't do a good job of being spies for the Cardassians in this episode. Well, they got Picard captured. Uh-huh. And then you don't well, think... That's on, you don't think that's, that's on David Warner that he didn't get the information. You don't think the Admiral would... Uh, have knowledge of the Federation's defense plans for Mia yeah, Scorva. <laughs> I guess they wouldn't need to get that from Picard. Right. That's a flaw in the theory. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like All if right. they're spies, like send the one guy who doesn't know the Mina Corva. Like, like, I mean, it's very silly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, that is. All we got. Now, if the Cardassians were going up against the Bajorans in the 15th annual wine competition, then you'd want Picard (laughs) to give you some wine-making tips. All right. (laughs) If he was Uh, trying to get information about wine, he would have done much better. His head was already back at Chateau Picard. uh, Sunday nights when they're singing. Uh, So that is the end of the hails. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, that means it's time to talk about Chain of Command Part 2. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. All right, Andy. It's talking. Talk about it. <laughs> okay. <Is> everything okay? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, this episode aired the week of December 21st, 1992. Andy, what was happening? The number one song in the U.S. continued, of course, to be I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. It was also the number one song in the U.K., uh, number one movie in America, A Few Good Men. Number one book, Dolores Claiborne by Stephen King. Uh, number one show that week, it says 60 Minutes. Um, Why do you have like, such a problem with 60 Minutes routinely winning? It just seems crazy that that, that, that would have been the number one show. I, I'm not saying it didn't do well, but... I mean, it still yeah, does very well. Yeah, still wins the night, especially if it's like pre. It's especially if it's 
Does 60 Minutes still win the night? Always. A lot of times, though, in the winter, you got to remember, it's lead in his NFL. Huh. So it's got an edge. Oh, yeah. Um, Deaths that week. uh, Heyo, creator of the Smurfs. (laughs) Um, And uh, events. Harry Connick Jr. is caught with a gun at JFK Airport. (laughs) (laughs) I I forgot about that. Nice nice little color. (laughs) There you go. I wonder if he was going on a hunting trip. Uh, Is he a big hunter? Okay. I mean, he's just southern. And I think that most people in the south enjoy a good hunt. Yeah. Do you think he do you think he croons to the birds to to bring them to him? He, and then he shoot them. Yes, he lures them in with his his dulcet tones. <laughs> uh but speaking of dulcet tones everybody, it's time yeah. to find out what the chairman of the board was. Should we have a Har- up Should we have to a Harry version? No. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Fly me to the Oh, Andy, what was Let happening with the chairman of the board? The I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, it was Christmas week, 1992. This year, you could have enjoyed a new recording of Santa Claus is Coming to Town uh, featuring Frank paired with Cindy Lauper. Well, partly new anyway, Lopper recorded her side of the duet over Frank's 1947 original. Uh, The song was added to a charity collection album to benefit the Special Olympics. What a week for Frankie, baby. Got new records coming out. Seems a little late, though. December 21st? I feel like that should have come out like a month earlier. Yeah. I mean, look, what am I going to do? Go back? 30 years and telling me did it wrong? It's the chairman Look, of the board. Know. He didn't do anything wrong. I don't know how the record industry works in 92. I don't uh, know how it works now. Uh, they wanted to create a panic. Don't forget, everybody, that's the uh, that's the promo code for Chaco Grams. That's right. Frank Sinatra, come on. All one word. Uh, okay. Let's get into it. This is directed by Les Landau and written by Frank Abbott Marco. Interesting. I feel like two-parters you should just let whoever was writing the first one write the second one yeah i agree but you know whatever captured after a failed seltris 3 raid picard tells all he knows about starfleet motives in the area under effect of a truth drug but his captor gul madred isn't satisfied and presses on with his horrendous torture both physical and psychological to break the captain's will Meanwhile, after retrieving Worf and Dr. Crusher, new Enterprise Captain Jellico refuses Riker's request for a rescue mission of Picard until they learn he uh, until they learn he is still alive. The new captain relieves Riker of duty after he poses Jellico's trade uh, admission to the Jellico's trade admission to the raid for Picard's release. <laughs> what? <laughs> I guess what he's saying is he that that Riker says how dare you not just say that he was sent on Federation orders and uh, then he'd be released okay meanwhile despite his beatings and captivity Picard eventually holds his own in his battle of will with Gull Madred his interrogator and even wins a few to the Cardassians chagrin aboard the ship Jellico swallows his pride to ask Riker to lead a mind laying mission to save stave off war 
and uses the mines to bargain for Picard's release when the outraged Cardassian realized what happened. Having never succumbed to his captor, a weary Picard is returned, and his command is restored. All right, here we go. That was from uh, Larry Nemchak's Star Trek Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Um, did you ever click on that link, Andy? I don't see you in here. Uh, I did. Something went wrong. Hang on one sec. Sorry. What's happening? Previously. Last time on Star Trek the next. Skipping. I ruined it. What? what okay. I don't see you. There you are. You wait. No, it said you joined and then you left. Oh, Jesus Christ! Come back! Come back, Andy. We gotta talk about the show. It says, it says you've joined a different party. I don't know what's going you on. You keep joining and leaving. All right, hang on. Let me try one more time. Oh my goodness. Well, it doesn't. That li- session is for a different video. That's I don't know what it means. I don't know what that means either. So, let's start another party and give you another link, and then we can all talk about Chain of Command Part Two. Will this link work? That looks like the same exact link. There we go. Oh, it's not the same link. Oh, and you're in. Okay, everybody. We're back. Your place of birth? The bar, France. Mother's name? Yves Gessau. Is ready. Keep the serum at that level. What is your current assignment? Special operations on Seltris 3. What is your mission on Seltris 3? To seek and destroy a metagenic weapon. How many others were part of this mission? Two. Name and rank? Chief Medical Officer Beverly Crusher. Lieutenant Worf. What are the Federation's defense plans for Minos Korva? <laughs> Seems like... I don't know. Seems like you want to keep your voice the, the same and not... You make a huge, dramatic change in your voice, then you're going to do the reverse of the, uh, of the, oh, the Bugs Bunny trick. Oh, I see what you're saying. Of <laughs> uh, 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 shoot me now. It's like what you want to what you want to do is just say it like you're saying all the other stuff. Right. Like, this is, what is this, Minos Corva? It's going to really stand out. Maybe he should have reversed it and asked all the other questions. Yeah, and then the last one. Oh, by the way, what are the mother's uh, name? <laughs> Let's begin again, shall we? Name: Picard, Jean-Luc. Place of birth: Navarre, France. Oh, I forgot that that was it. That was the uh, that's the cold open. Not enough for you, Picard. For a cold open. Uh, I mean, look, you got to devote all that time to previously on, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. Now, let's hear a real captain's log. (laughs) (laughs) Bum 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 bum. 
Captain's log. Stardate yeah. 46360.8. The negotiations with the Cardassians have made little progress. I believe a military confrontation may be unavoidable. Gullimek, I assure you that what the Federation wants above all is the preservation of peace. Then how do you explain the fact that a Federation team launched an unprovoked assault on Cardassian territory less than 14 hours ago? I don't know what you're talking about. Then let me explain. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Lieutenant Worf, and Dr. Beverly Crusher landed on Seltris III, attacked one of our outposts in a brutal assault, and killed <laughs> over 55 men, women, and children. I like the What the evidence added. do you have of that? We have all the evidence we need. What, were you, what did you say, Andy? I like the added deta the added lie <laughs> that he killed all the women and children. <laughs> it's not enough that he just he just broke in and and clearly was trying to sabotage them and and spy. It's like also, well, I he mean, killed this the women the children. There was a small kitten there. He kicked it. They just want guilt, you know. They just want to be like, don't you feel guilty? <laughs> uh, so this actually this came out a year after, almost to the day. Uh, a year after uh, Star Trek VI. So a year after he was playing Chancellor Gorkin. He's now a Cardassian um, interrogator? Question mark? I guess that's what he is. We have Captain Picard. David Warner, I mean. Is he alive? The Cardassian Union has yet to decide how... Riker should have been like, we don't know a Captain Picard. That's yeah, what Riker should have said. But Riker's sort of, being sort of a terrible yeah. person in this episode. Well, he's, you know, he's just very emotional. Cause it's Is the he alive? <laughs> we'll respond to this latest provocation. You can see Jellicoe sort of shoots him a look. Assured, we will respond. Is there any truth in what he's saying? Captain Picard and the others were sent to investigate reports of a metagenic weapon on Seltris III. It's possible that they may have been captured. But if they did escape, they'll head for the Lycian system. The Enterprise is supposed to meet them there in eight hours. Will, I want you to take a shuttlecraft and head for the rendezvous point. The Enterprise will have to remain here until the end game with Goldemek is played out. I see. But I don't want to take a shuttlecraft. I'm Riker in this episode. I don't want to do anything you tell me. <laughs> didn't. He was very good about it and did what he wanted. <laughs> see, Riker's only a good first officer when it's what he wants to do. <laughs> it's terrible. I can't wait for you to talk to Freaks about this. Cardassian Peace Treaty. We have already sent a message to Tovan Three, the nearest neutral planet. They assure us they will dispatch someone immediately. It's a pretty wild POV shot. Like I've never really even seen that in Trek before. When he takes the blind off. Yeah, and they got the bright light, and then you're just just like staring down the barrel at uh, at David Warner. They really want to put us in the. I like it. Nice situation. Nice work, Les Landau. 
that Picard. There's a lot of great camera work. There's a lot of tracking shots. It's really very movie-like. It's very nice. Good sound design on the handcuffs. <laughs> if we were in the Patreon, maybe. Or <laughs> oh, I will say that. I guess it was in the earlier scene when they had the um, the uh, the hypo spray. They had the Cardassian hypo spray, yeah. and I kind of like that. The detail is that it has kind of a gross, like little, like <laughs> kind of sound instead of the nice uh, air escaping sound of the Federation. <laughs> Few were preserved in museums, but even those were eventually sold in order to pay for our war efforts. That war costs you hundreds of thousands of lives. It depleted your food supplies, left your population weakened and miserable. And yet you risk another war. Let's not waste time arguing about issues we cannot resolve. Issues. Would you care to tour the Hibitian burial vaults? What I would like is to be returned to my ship. It's not your ship. My dear captain, you are a criminal. You've been apprehended invading one of our secret facilities. The least that will happen is for you to stand trial and be punished. But I'm offering you the opportunity for that experience to be... civilized. What is the price of that opportunity? Cooperation. We need to know the Federation's defense strategy for Minos Corp. You've injected me with drugs. Surely you must realize that I've already answered truthfully every question you've put to me. Captain, we have gone to great lengths to lure you here. Because we know that in the event of an invasion, the Enterprise will be the command ship for the sector encompassing Minos Corp. And it seems you have more knowledge of the situation than I. That suggests they have intel. What? That suggests they have intel that they know that the Enterprise will be the well, lead ship. Of course they have intel. How else would they have lured Picard here with a metagenic, fake metagenic weapon? That was my point! What do you mean that was your point? I feel like you were arguing that they just they just knew that he was the only one that was Which uh, means that, that had they had information. Obviously. All right. What, uh, what, are you, like, what are you talking about? I've, I, I, feel, I feel like you were arguing that they basically, the, the only information they had was that he was the one who had this history with the metagenic weapons. And as a result, they just oh, sort of thought they could lure him in. And I, I felt like, no, there's something more of deep intel going on. But it's on. not. It's inaccurate intel, whatever it is. So they know. Well, they had the intel that only Jellicoe knew and Picard didn't, which is that the Enterprise would be the ship that would be the lead ship in an invasion. Well, but what they also didn't know is that someone else is in command of the ship right now, and Picard's not privy to that. I don't know what that proves. That whatever intelligence they have is spotty at best. Well, they still have intel. It's, you know, clearly, like, they know more than Picard knows. Yeah, but also, like, the Federation isn't looking to do anything at Minos Corva. There, this is all, there this is is all a self-fulfilling Cardassian prophecy here. Like, the Cardassians want to re-annex Minos Corva. The Federation uh-huh. does not know that the Cardassians want to do this until this shit starts happening. 
Uh-huh. And that's why they send the Enterprise over there after the fact. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of bullshit. The it does seem like it's... You know, yeah. the Cardassians have spies, obviously. Um, some of them are tailors on Deep Space Nine. Uh, but uh, they will... I mean, they have information, obviously. But also, like, I think that's a pretty just a... Feels like a guess to me. Which that that the Enterprise is going to be the lead yes. ship. Well, Just, I guess I would only say it wasn't a guess because Picard reacts like, "Well, that's news to me," and Riker reacts like that's news to me, and Jellico doesn't act like it's news to him. He seems to know for sure that it would be. What do you? When does Riker act like that's news to him? Later on in the episode, Jellico says. You know, the Enterprise would be the lead ship in the in the uh, if there was an invasion. But they're closest, the and they're the flagship. Uh, all right. I it mean, it's like, like honestly, it's just like it's not like I feel like the Cardassians don't want to be like we know everything, and it's like no, you're just using common sense, Cardassians. Well, I feel like they're reacting as though it's a sure thing, like it's not a just like eh, it's probably going to be the Enterprise. But they, well, whatever the case. But they are acting like the Federation is lining up to attack the Cardassians. Because the Cardassians uh-huh. are paranoid and the Federation is not lining up to attack. They literally don't want to attack. They just want peace. But if the shit is gonna go down, that's why Jellico's there. Well, I think they also are talking about it in terms of an invasion. And I don't think that they, I, I, I thought that they were saying if the, if the Federation invades, but I think that they, no, they that's, mean that's annexed. Like that's in the treaty, like that, Minos for Gorba. their invasion. Right. Yes. Right. So the Cardassians want to plunder the world for their resources because they, they don't have a lot going on on Cardassia. Uh huh. Um, so they just want to know, like, What's the best way to do that? If you had to if guess, if they know, if they know that the Enterprise is going to be the lead ship, do they really need the defense strategy? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need anything. Yeah. Seems like they're pretty well set up. I don't know how Jellico gets the drop on them. I understand he does the mines, but. Well, I don't. It's it's, it is what it is. I don't know. It's it, it's TV. <laughs> it's TV. <laughs> click, clickety, click, click, chink, chink, click. Look, I mean, that's just how it goes, guys, when the handcuffs. Oh, there's very clearly four lights right there. Are there, Matt? Are there? Yeah. Captain I gotta say it was still unknown. Yes. Surprised that this is where the meme came from. The meme. Therefore, lights. You're surprised that this is where the meme came from. Yeah. I mean, I guess it all builds to him saying it at the end. Yeah. But that is like maybe one of the top. Uh, what did we say? Five Star Trek memes, TNG memes of all time. Yeah, I um, mean it's up there, you know, in the annals of uh, Darmok and. Uh, yeah. Four lights and. It wasn't what I was expecting. It's a good day to die, etc. Yeah. 
There was no chance to go back for the captain. We barely made it back to the Ferengi cargo ship ourselves. You were smart not to try. I don't feel so smart. Get some rest, Doctor. Will? Look at that tap on the hand. Get some rest, Doctor. You were smart. I'm gonna go. I got shit to do. I want Jordy to analyze the readings from Beverly's <laughs> tricorder. Tell him this to is a weird thing with his fingers. Every detail of those caverns on Seltris Three. Aye, sir. Request permission to begin planning a rescue operation. I know you were close to him, Will, but we don't even know if he's still alive. Under the circumstances, a rescue mission would be foolhardy. Shouldn't we assume that he is alive? And By the way, do you not agree with that entirely? Well, here's my question. Why would it be foolhardy? Because it would escalate the situation. He's in the middle of trying to negotiate peace. And you uh -huh. send another team of more Starfleet officers in? That just gives the Cardassians every excuse they need. Well, not if you do it right. The game is already up. They already they already got him. They already are making the arguments. They so if you get him back, then you sort of take away their bargaining chip. But you make like a full scale incursion into well. It seems like state. all of these all of these people on both sides, whether it's Romulans or Federation or whoever, that their backup point is oh we we didn't give permission for that. Sorry. Yeah, but oh no, we don't know anything about that ship. Oh, so they just they you, you're saying that they would just keep going. I don't know. Wait, yeah, right. They, that's what they seem to do in every situation and on both the sides. Next, the next the next ship goes in to get save Riker. I, I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. I, don't know. I know we sent a hundred ships in there, but I, I we didn't send them in. We didn't. Tell Enterprise them to go. runs out of shuttlecraft, and then the Enterprise goes in. <laughs> I, I didn't do this. Are you sure it's the Enterprise? Did you see on the outside of the ship? Did it say Enterprise? cannot just abandon him. He's gone. I'm sorry, Will, but you're going to have to accept that. I want those tricorder readings analyzed by 1,400 hours. Get it done. Yes, sir. Finally says yes, Will. sir, and he's not even there to hear it. Yeah, the doors are closed. Maybe the door's malfunctioning. You know how it seems to always know when <laughs> it's true. a conversation is over or begins. Do you think the turbo lift then was just like, oh, God darn it. I was sure that he was done. Oh. I would imagine, sir. Well, it's a very impractical cup. It's time to move on. Triangular. Unless you've got like a cool little holder for it. Like when I'm you, sure he must. Like when you get like a flight of ice that. cream cones. It's the only time I can think <laughs> of where you'd have a holder for something like that. <laughs> it's true. He's also got his cute little Cardassian thermos that he brings in. I sort of was expecting him when he went into the torture room to kind of punch a punch card. <laughs> That's on the other side. You just never saw it. <laughs> just clocking in. I told you all that I know. Somebody Picard clocked in too, like the chicken and the. Is it the chicken? The uh, the sh the sheepdog and a wolf. That's what they do. Did you see that? The old Warner Brothers cartoon. You see four lights. No, there are five. You're quite sure. There are four lights. Perhaps you're aware of the incision in your chest. While you were under the influence of our drugs, you were implanted with a small device. It's a remarkable invention. 
By entering commands in this pad, I can produce pain in any part of your body. Various levels of severity. Forgive me. I don't enjoy this, but I must demonstrate. It will make everything clearer. Great pain acting. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, it's great acting all around. Uh, so, uh, 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 Abbott Marco dug into the research books on everything from Amnesty International to the psychology of torturers, their methods, and their survivors for what he had hoped would be a grander opus than the rushed man of the people. Uh, as the scope of the project swelled, uh, Pillar and Berman suggested a two-parter. Uh, <gasps> and uh, Patrick Stewart supported it. Later, uh, he grew concerned with inevitable rewrites coming across uh, and pleasing that its intensity would not be diluted. It's a very interesting sentence structure lately from... <laughs> he probably just wrote it all in one sitting. And by the time he gets to the middle of the season... <laughs> I get another one of these out? <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. Minos Corba. What is your current assignment? Special operations on Seltris 3. Do you have anything to say? Captain Picard was not acting under my orders. And if we wish to execute him? Under the terms of the Solanus Convention, Captain Picard... The Solanus Convention applies to prisoners of war. Which means you would have to acknowledge that he was captured during a mission authorized by the Federation. Gotcha. Are you willing to make such an admission? <laughs> no. Then he will be treated as a terrorist. It's not my concern. There is, of course, an alternative. I'm listening. If the Federation agreed to a complete and immediate withdrawal from this sector, then we would be disposed to release Captain Picard and forget about this incident. I'll have to discuss this with my superiors. Of course. You have seven hours. Sort of an odd arbitrary number. What are you going to do? Uh, it's the Seldonis, yeah, by the way. It's the Seldonis Convention called the Solanus Convention by Riker thanks to a script typo. <laughs> uh, an unaired reference gives the Minos Corva colony a population of two million. There you go. I recommend More that you reject Lamech's proposal and deploy additional starships along the border. What about Captain Picard? I mean, this sounds like, you know, it's he's just such a. They're going by the seat of their pants here. Like he's like, yeah. well, now you got to, we got to bring in more starships. Well, I don't know. Yeah. But, like, because there, there is no defense. What I'm saying is there's no defense plan for Minos Corva. Right. So all this was for nothing. Yes. Right. And that's what's driving Gal Madrid so crazy. That's why no yeah. matter how many things you inject him with, he's, he's saying no. That's well, why, you know, torture methods are so fucking wonky and not, you know, because... And in the end, to not be tortured, you will say whatever the person torturing you wants to hear. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that Picard is correct and that he's really just trying to 
and he's failing to resolve internal, you know, trauma with the torture. <laughs> yes, but also he seems that seems this seems to be his job, correct? I mean, it feels like this. <laughs> yeah, is his job. I, I would guess so. Yes, yes. Uh, Someday his daughter will be a torturer. Well, you know, his daughter visits him at work. Unless this is like, you know, a detached office in his house. <laughs> That's true. Is this his, is this his den? It could be. <laughs> what do you think of I'm this big screen TV, Picard? I think there's room for a pool table. <laughs> you think of this store. foosball table. You'll never use it. <laughs> it will just collect clothes. <laughs> clothes, empty boxes, things of that nature. Along the border. What about Captain Picard? I'm not suggesting you trade an entire star system for one man's life. But you've got to acknowledge that these were Federation orders and that he is a prisoner of war. No. He will have the protection of the Solanus Convention. That would play right into Golomek's hand. He's just waiting for some sign of weakness on our part before he starts making more demands. I can't believe you're willing to sacrifice Captain Picard's life as a negotiation tactic. Will, Captain, we're all concerned about... Are you questioning my judgment, Commander? As First Officer, it is my responsibility to point out any actions that may be mistakes by a commanding officer, sir. Then maybe it's time you found other responsibilities. You're relieved. Don't make me confine you to quarters as well sir so yeah isn't Riker right that uh, as the first officer you're supposed to bring stuff up when you think uh, your command your captain isn't uh, making the right decisions and he's reacting like how dare you well I mean it's a delicate uh, here's 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 where you err on the side of uh, what Jellico is installed on the Enterprise 4. Uh-huh. You know, to do so, Jellico feels that to do so would jeopardize the negotiations. And I believe Jellico is correct. And I think well, that Riker no. is, but to Andy's point, of course, you say, uh, oh, we didn't know someone was going, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, well, we didn't know. Well, I didn't know. Uh, and yeah. you just continue negotiating. But the reality of it, the reality of the fake reality of the show is <laughs> that, uh, you know, Jellico's point is sound. Riker's point is sound, but from a place of emotion rather than of, you know, the larger scope. Well, what, they're both acting going for on. emotion. Really, in the end, you, you, you could say they're both sort of not being good at their positions in these episodes. You could say that. I won't say that about Jellico. I think Jellico's clearly acting out of ego, as I've been saying it from the beginning. It's, it's just like, you're you're questioning my judgment, Commander. It's like, really freaking out. Well, it's like the 19th straw. You know what I mean? Like, this, yeah, was, but this was the boiling point for both of them. At a certain point, when you're on the flagship and all of these people have amazing records and you're, yes, getting, but you're like coming all, into blows with all of them except for the robot, don't you need to take a look at yourself? But you're not coming to blows with... Who else are you coming to blows with? He, he kind of had a little bit of a... Jordy a, a, was he, whiny and didn't want to do the extra work. Jordy? Beverly? 
Beverly doesn't episode? do anything except say, "You want me to prepare the sick bay for casualties?" Okay. There's clearly some some some. Uh, because bruffling. Captain Picard, they're all sad about Picard being gone, but no one's like. And Troy, of all people, you'd think if they wanted it to be another way, they would have written her to say something else. Well, she does talk to him about it. She tries to get him to listen, but she's she's just a little bit less of a hothead than all these other people. So I'm just saying at a certain point, yeah. you got to look at yourself. And but doesn't but what do is that? that. Well, like, well, you know, who knows how many years he's serving aboard the uh, aboard Cairo. the yeah, with n- no problems. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like you're, that's you're, an you're, assumption. We don't know that he didn't have any problems. For all we know, that he's been kicked upstairs to this. Yes, and also for all we know, it's been fine. Well, that's true. So, so it's, it's like it's not a real point. But what? They're trying to tell us, and what they're telling us with the story, when Necheyev yeah. puts him in charge, and they pull him onto the Enterprise, and it doesn't doesn't sound like anywhere along the line they're like, "I'm going to give you this captain who's a little bit of a problem." None of his crew really likes him. You know what I mean? It's like that's not in the I dialogue think, at all. So it's like, why I think you could ass- believe that. You could also assume that all of Necheyev's decisions are terrible because the, this plan is her- it's terrible and it, it falls apart immediately. Well, it's terrible because it's a trap. They fall into the trap. Yeah. Well, that's her fault for not getting the right intel to protect her people. But also, they, the idea of sending Picard down there with Worf and Beverly is insane. Uh. So she's a bad commander, and then she puts another bad commander in charge of the the flagship instead of keeping the good commander and telling him, you know, a little bit more information about the Cardassians. That's what I say. Well, you know. When they give you a fleet, you're oh going to show them. That's going to be the best. <laughs> every every holodeck will just be jungles. Omar <laughs> <laughs> will be able to roam as far as the eye can see. Look at how look at how freaked out he is. This guy's not a good commander. He can't handle it. I think he's just pissed off. So is Riker. You're not, yeah, you're well, freaked be out, cool. and pissed off. It's two different things. You should be above ego as a leader. You should, but, you know, people aren't. Well, I know that, but I don't like them when they aren't. But you can deal with them without yelling at them. Yes, I can deal with them. Yes, that's true. I'm with you on that. Riker's (laughs) definitely... I mean, it's like every time... Riker's not... (laughs) Every time I turn this over to you and go, how would you behave in the situation? You are always saying to me, not like Riker, you're right. So it's like, I mean, I just have to, like, look but at I, it. But by the same token, I say the same thing to you about Jellico. You, you wouldn't behave like Jellico. That's fair. Sure. I can believe that. I don't that. think you would behave like Jellico. Sure. You wouldn't be this snotty and for no reason. Of, I, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't behave like that either. That's but all. I also, I wouldn't do what either of these, what either of these characters are doing, I wouldn't do. Right. But if I was in the position of... Uh, of Riker, I certainly wouldn't be doing what he was doing. You're just saying you would do, you would be doing what he's doing less than you would be doing what Jellico is doing. Yes, that's it's, I it's think splitting that's, hairs, that, but okay. Yeah, but I mean they're pretty big hairs, you know. <laughs> splitting large hairs. Yeah, they're like they're not beard hairs. They're like uh, Troy hairs. <laughs> Why? By the way, Data looks great in red. 
he really does. It's kind of shocking. First of all, I was like, it's funny that I'm not, you know, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the the uniform maven that you are. So I, at first, I was just like, wait, what? What's what happened? What's wrong? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. Then I was like, oh my god, Data's in Command Red. And then the second thought was, he looks fantastic in, in Command Red. Really does. It suits. I mean, it suits his white face much more. Yeah, than the yellow, which is funny because <laughs> with Reich, with Picard, like with Patrick Stewart, they were like, "Oh, Patrick Stewart doesn't look good in this gold. Yeah, he looks better in red." So then that's when they flipped the command division to red, right? Because in the original series, it's the gold. So yeah, they flipped the division colors just because Patrick Stewart didn't look good in. <laughs> gold couldn't data have also been command division or no he's a lieutenant commander yeah he could have been sure but he's he's an ops yeah he's in the old harry kim post right gotcha the cardassians were specifically interested in capturing captain picard why do you say that the metagenic weapon they were supposedly developing used a theta band subspace delivery system Captain Picard is one of only three Starfleet captains with extensive experience in Theta Band devices. The other two are no longer in Starfleet. So they tailored a fake weapon to lure Picard. But why? They must have known we'd change all his access codes and security protocols. Maybe they were That's interested a nice in detail. something that he did in the past. Something that happened while he was captain of the Enterprise. Or something he was going to do in the future. In case of a Cardassian attack, the Enterprise will be assigned as command ship for this sector. If the Cardassians got wind of that, they might have assumed that Captain Picard would know those defense plans. If your theory is correct, the Cardassians may be planning an attack somewhere in this sector. The question is where? Jordy, I want you to conduct a discreet scan of Gullamek's ship. Look for anything unusual, anything that might indicate where they've been lately. Nice, sir. I love the subtle performance by LeVar that he's still like this fucking guy. <laughs> he's just quiet, but he's doing what he's got to do. But he's still like unlike his good buddy Riker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he's had a conversation with Riker, and Riker was like, "There's no point. Don't argue with him. It's this guy. He, there's no getting through to this douchebag." It could have been a lot easier on everybody if everybody just listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. Well, I guess they had to choose which direction they were going in. But I feel like there's a certain there's a certain version of this episode where Riker then, you know, gets war for whoever and, and does his own rescue mission. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what does that even look like, though, really? When you think about it, like, what does that rescue mission look like? Like, just him and Worf got to go in and, and like... Go beam into that guy's den. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's you know. Then you're in that hole. Maybe they maybe they do the uh, the makeup job and they and they go down as Cardassians. Oh, I like where your head's at now. Who's got the long enough neck? <laughs> I guess Data does. <laughs> They're never gonna buy it. Um, they they haven't done the research and they make like snake sounds. <laughs> well, I look like I should be making snake sounds. Why? I don't understand. Because, Worf, that's not what they do. You you talk to them. Yes, but look at me. 
our mothers and fathers? Yes. But human mothers and fathers don't love their children as we do. They're not the they're well. very big on Will you reach me tonight? running people down with false information. What's that? The Cardassians are big on that, yes. Yeah. I, I guess I'll find that out later. I'll see you later. A wampa. Is that just a wampat? It's just a ferret. Yeah. That chair looks like Picard has a third leg. <laughs> it does kind of look like that. How many legs and do I you have? There are two legs. I shall, cre- I shall create the greatest indignity, Picard. You shall appear to have three legs. <laughs> Crawl, she's been taught about the enemies of the Cardassians and that enemies deserve their fate. When children learn to devalue others, they can devalue anyone, including their parents. What a blind, narrow view you have. What an arrogant man you are. You think I'm arrogant? Take a look at the Enterprise. What do you know of Cardassian history? (laughs) I know that once you were a peaceful people, with a rich spiritual life. What did peace and spirituality get us? People starved by the millions. Bodies went unburied. Disease was rampant. Suffering was unimaginable. Since the military took over, hundreds of thousands more have died. But we are feeding the people. Seems like we acquired territory during the wars. What's that? Seems like they're, I don't know. These are the kind of debates that I'm like, well, who's right? I mean, we're assuming that Picard's right because he's Picard, but. I think generally that's that's a correct assumption. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going to believe Picard or the guy that tortures people in his home office for a living? (laughs) (laughs) Seems to have a good relationship with his daughter. Sure, sure. (laughs) We develop new resources. We initiated a rebuilding program. We have mandated agricultural programs. That is what the military has done for Cardassia. And because of that, my daughter will never worry about going hungry. Her belly may be full, but her spirit will be empty. Oh, snap. You really got him. Shall we begin again? How many lights are there? What lights? Ah, got you! Oh, sucker. It looks like they had some minor hull degradation along their warp nacelles. The distribution pattern indicates a recent exposure to a molecular dispersion field. Where could they have run into a dispersion field? The McAllister C-5 nebula is just across the border. It's approximately seven light years from Federation space. Could there be Cardassian ships inside the McAllister nebula? Well, it's possible, but they wouldn't be able to stay in there for very long. The particle flux from the nebula would begin to break down a ship's hull just after 72 hours. Is there a Federation system near the McAllister nebula that might interest the Cardassians? Minos Corva is just 11 light years from the nebula, and the Cardassians tried to annex it during the war. Data, I want to be at Minos Corva in one hour. 
Aye, sir. Set course 350, mark 215, and engage at warp 8.5. I mean, that's how he's already better than Riker. Riker would be like, okay, um, Helm, lay in a course yeah. for Minos Corva. Best speed? <laughs> <laughs> question well, that's... mark, question mark. But that's Data is rattling it off. That'll get you there in exactly one hour. I'm Data. I mean, I hear you, but Picard, Picard does that too. Also, the engage. I thought that was an interesting little distinction that it, that he just that you know that that Data's like and engage at this warp. You know, it's no, there's no waiting on the command. Data's efficient. He's a robot. I like robots. For the most part. So he's like, you can leave, and then we'll I don't just know why. try to it's get the uh, info out of Beverly Crusher. Right. He's very shifty. I mean, he's not an honest person, this guy. No, but I b definitely believe him over Picard and what the militarization of Cardassia has done for the people. Look, I wasn't arguing that... Uh, I'm just... We don't know. We It's fake, so you've figured they they write it a certain way and you're like Picard. look you you're you're the one who wants to discount Picard's opinion about Riker over uh no not at all over that's not over at Jellico. all what I'm saying no all I'm saying is with Jellico's experience with Riker if you're gonna say though that Jellico's this great commander, have you ever had someone he, come in who's why a, who's, isn't he listening to Picard? Have you ever had someone who came into a show you were working on who was supposedly a great writer, yeah, and then came into the show and you're like, ooh, I don't really this person, sure, sure, but what, you're what? insistent, no, but the last person, the last showrunner said that this guy was great or girl was great. Well, this is where you get into an area of how much I respected the person that that uh, recommended that person. Okay. Because if if I, it was someone that I respected enormously, I might go. You know what? I'm not seeing it yet, but I really respect the other person that recommended okay. this person. So maybe I sure. maybe so I got to give that person another beat. Which is yeah. exactly I think what Jellico tries to do. Yeah, see, and I then it like turns you. into this like then there's like this that blow up that we see in the observation lounge. Yeah, I feel and like then he's, he's like, I can't even pretty fast. Well, you know, again, everyone who wrote in is right. We don't know how long this is. Well, that's also true. Um, but like, it seems like when the episode starts, they're in a <laughs> decent place. <laughs> what if the whole thing happened in like fifty-three minutes? The like both both parts of the episodes. I would say everyone. Well, I guess it wouldn't have happened that because we were just told we have to seventeen hours to get to a place. But well, that's seventeen hours before the ships can leave. Fourteen hours ago. Like, there's a couple of timelines in here, but nothing more than a day. Yeah, pretty good evidence to convince me of that. You're still gambling hundreds of lives. This discussion is moot. The plan has been approved, and we are going ahead. Mr. Data, by your calculations, how long could the Cardassian ships stay in the nebula? In 17 hours, their hull degradation will reach dangerous levels. They will have to leave before that. All right. Worf. Prepare a series of 500 antimatter mines with magnetic targeting capabilities. Aye, sir. I already have those Join. in my closet. <laughs> I like that it's set up so that it's out. just like everyone fights with every one of his commands except for, for Worf. And just Data. Like, oh, great. 
Yeah, well, David. But they're also like he's not fighting. No one's. I mean, Jordy's not fighting about getting the shuttle prepared, or you know what I mean. Like you're just Mm. you're putting on all this stuff that that. I'm not putting on anything. Jordy is unhappy. Jordy went behind his back and went to Riker and said, "Talk to Picard." Like, yeah, yeah. No, no. You got to talk to Picard. He's this guy's got to be a little nicer. Like that's he's, essentially what no, he's saying. It's not nicer. It's it's more it's more reasonable in his demands regard in regards to how the ship is already set up and the shifts are already set up. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's saying if he's not being efficient. But everyone has accepted it, and Riker's not in not yes, on duty he's anymore. He's crushed everyone's spirits below him, just like a good leader should. I'm not saying he hasn't crushed. No spirits are crushed. I mean, Jordy. Look at Jordy. Fairness, you know, he's very tired. He stayed up for two days. <laughs> <laughs> that is tired. <laughs> he's probably sleeping right now. He's got a visor. You can't tell. <laughs> that would be a real advantage. Hey, maybe I'll wear a visor. You don't need to. Have sick bay ready for the casualties you're about to send me. Look at how That's unhappy right. she is. Dismissed. Shaking her head at him. I mean, she's also the one who didn't want to kill all the Borg. That is true. <laughs> oh, fun egg scene. Oh, the gross eggs. He's got to eat the gross eggs. Oh, and he does. Wonderful. Wonderful. I like you, human. Most people become ill at the sight of life, Taspar. I remember the first time I ate a live Taspar. I was six years old and living on the streets of La Cat. There was a band of children, four or five, six years old, some even smaller, desperately trying to survive. We were thin, scrawny little animals. With long necks and snake heads. always cold. We slept together in doorways like packs of wild gettles for warmth. Once I found a nest. Gettles. Taspers had mated and built a nest in the eve of a burnt-out building, and I found three eggs in it. It was like finding treasure. I cracked one open on the spot and ate it, very much as you just did. I planned to save the other two. That would keep me... Hang on. I just read something, but it's for next week's episode. I'm very excited about it. Ah, is it like a trivia or something? It's a question we've been asking for three years. Oh, wow. Finally answered. Tune in next week, folks. <laughs> Finally, we got them hooked. Yeah. Of course, an older boy saw them and wanted them. And he got them. But he had to break my arm to do it. Must be rewarding to you to, to repay others for all those years of misery. What do you mean? Torture has never been a reliable means of extracting information. It is ultimately self-defeating as a means of control. One wonders that it is still practiced. I fail to see where this analysis is leading. <laughs> Whenever I this is great. look at you now, I won't see a powerful Cardassian warrior. I will see a six-year-old boy. Who is powerless to protect himself? Be quiet. Would you say, Matt, to me. that Cardassians, from what you know of them later, have a low emotional IQ? 
It seems like I mean, granted, he's going up against Picard, but uh, that's an Picard like Picard emotionally maneuvers the situation so effectively, and he seems like someone. I mean, I guess I have to assume that the Cardassians have never been uh, been in any kind of therapy because it's right. It's all it's all geared toward. Although he has a good relationship with his, with his daughter again, <laughs> um, but uh, do they ever talk about emotions or feelings or any of that? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you get to know more Cardassians, certainly, and more, you know, family dynamics in Cardassia. No, he uh, definitely, it's amazing how he so, spins it I mean, on it's him. kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, any sort of, like, it's interesting, you sort of find out more and more about them. I guess it's like any race you make a main character. That you delve into it? Yeah. Um, trying to think of an it's example. An interesting, but it's I an interesting can't. writing challenge that you introduce a character. And I guess with, with Klingons, they basically had to eject a lot of the things that they established about them over time. But, you know, there really wasn't that much established about Klingons. Everything you could think of, like, about Klingon culture comes from mostly Ron Moore. Uh-huh. Right. Because they were all they were always like uh, just, you know, villain villain of the week people. Right. On TOS, you know. There's uh, a and slanting. Then, and then you get a little bit more of that, but like you don't get anything about the culture of Klingons even in Star Trek 3 when Chris Lloyd is the main antagonist and he's a Klingon. You don't yeah. really find out anything more about their culture you just like it's just like a eight bad klingons right you know what i mean so yeah uh you can look at like you can look at these cardassians that we see in uh in tng as like the tos era klingons and they'll get their tng treatment and, and development much like the klingons did in deep space nine it sense? does make me yes. It helps me be even more excited about DS Nine because they do already seem like really substantial villains, and and the the strategy. I mean, granted, we've already poked some holes in the strategy, but it's it's a very clever thing to lure specifically Picard in to get this information that it's more it's more luring people into your trap. Uh, in a way that seems maybe even more effective than the way the Romulans tend to handle things. Yeah, uh, and also, you know, if you think you knew a lot about, you know, Cardassians, you, you think you're going to find out a lot about Cardassians, I'd argue you find out even more about Ferengis in, in, in DS9. Yeah. So, get ready, Andy. I find you a pitiable man. Picard. Stop it. I will turn this on and leave you in agony all night. Ah, you called me Picard. What are the Federation's defense plans for Minos Corva? There are four lights. There are five lights. How many do you see now? You are six years old. Weak and helpless. You cannot hurt me. How many? Then he just starts singing in French. What a weirdo. 
<laughs> what a drama queen. By the way, these this 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 haphazard stacking and leaning of these antimatter mines is very funny to me on the sh on the shuttle. How are we doing? We're almost done, sir. I've shielded the engine nacelles and the transporter system so they won't be affected by the particle flux from the nebula. Good. Hmm. Been a while since I flew one of these. You're a pilot yourself, aren't you, Jordy? Yes, sir. <sighs> Began my career as a shuttle pilot on the Jovian run from Jupiter to Saturn and back. Once a day, everybody. Every day. Is that right? Everybody hated me on so that shuttle. Myself for a while. Then you must have done Titan's turn. Oh yeah. You set a course directly for Titan. Hold it till you're just brushing the atmosphere. Throw the helm hard over and whip around the moon at 0.7 C. <laughs> and pray like hell nobody saw you. <laughs> you know this trip into the nebula is going to need someone who can do Titan's turn in their sleep. These mines need to be laid within two kilometers of the Cardassian ships. But the particle flux from the nebula will blind every sensor except for this proximity detector. You're gonna need one heck of a pilot to pull that off. Is that you? Nope. I can do it's it. It's Poe Dameron. Truthfully, <laughs> the man you want is Commander Riker. It's Nick Letourneau. <laughs> He's the best there is. Locarno. So, right? Isn't it Locarno? Look, maybe it's Lucarno. But that is a thing that I thought of. It's just like, he's the best there is. Like, what would Paris say about Yeah, like, that? also, by the way, this is like just, we're seven, six, uh, six and a half years into the show, and now we find out Riker's the best pilot on the ship. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on. If you're the best at piloting a shuttle or a smaller craft, does that mean you're going to be the best at pilot at, at helm or is that a whole different set of skills i think space is pretty big so you're probably good <laughs> there's less stuff for you to hit i mean so much of space is empty uh-huh well, well i'm saying are you good are you good at if you if you're are you gonna be as good at shuttling up uh, uh the enterprise as you are at shuttling at, at piloting a uh, shuttle well i mean the enterprise is not as maneuverable Right. So I, it's probably like the akin to uh, driving a very fast, tiny car and then driving a fast, giant, big rig. Right. Seems like those might be different skills. Yeah. Um, also, like, what an asshole Riker is. He doesn't even take his legs off the goddamn desk when the captain walks in. <laughs> yeah, he relieved him. He's not on duty anymore. Yeah, but still, show some respect, sir. Am I disturbing you? Not at all. I'm just reading this book you found in <laughs> the <laughs> ready room. <laughs> Musician. Yes. Uh, where did this fish come Mas from? Oh, right. Contemporary? Jazz. Ah. Is there something I can do for you, Captain? Jellico's so uncomfortable. Are you aware of our plans to attack the Kardashian invasion fleet? Yes, sir. I understand you've been talking to every shuttle pilot on board. Except for the best one. Let's drop the ranks for a moment. That's me! <laughs> I think you're insubordinate, arrogant, willful. 
and I don't think you're a particularly good first officer. And I hate your beard. But you are also the best pilot on the ship. Well, now that the ranks are dropped, Captain, I don't like you either. You are arrogant and closed-minded. You need to control everything and everyone. You don't provide an atmosphere of trust, and you don't inspire these people to go out of their way for you. You've got everybody wound up so tight. There's no joy in anything. Now, do you disagree with any of that? I mean, do you need joy here? What are you talking about, Riker? Oh, that's ridiculous. You want to inspire your people? You're a bad leader. He's only here for two weeks. I feel like, honestly, I do. I don't think he's dealing with this like that. I think he's dealing with this like this is his ship from now on. I I think that once this crisis was over... And the ship went back to its. And the ship went back to its normal mission of seeking out new life and new civilizations. I see no evidence of what you're about to say. I think that uh, he won't be wound up so tight. Uh I think he's wound up tight because he's in this crazy situation with the Cardassians and trying to keep the peace. Part of being a good leader is keeping keeping your cool in a crisis. Yeah. And? And he's not doing it. I think he... He's he's making everybody tense and and freaked out and, and defeated. He's just not a good captain for you, Andy. <laughs> I don't think he's a good captain for any of our characters. You don't think that his solution to this little problem is pretty great? I mean, I don't know what the specifics are. I don't, frankly... <laughs> what do you mean you don't know what this is? He mines every ship that's waiting to attack, uh-huh. and he threatens to blow them all up unless they retreat and give back Captain Picard. Yeah. Um, I mean, for all I know, he set up the whole situation in the first place. Here's to, a new theory. I to, think To get uh, rid of the fish. I think Jellico did all this to get the Enterprise. I think that he doesn't even care about the Cardassians. Well, he then why would he ask person. for Captain Picard to come back? Um, uh, because then at the end, he's realized, like, these people all hate me. I can't be the captain of this ship anymore. So it's like in that fleeting moment, he's like, oh, and another thing. These people that's hate why, me. That's why he has that second thought. It's so hilarious that it's a second thought. It's like, oh. Well, it should yeah, be his All right, second we thought. should also... We should also get because his well, first bring thought should be his fucking mission, which is getting these Cardassians to retreat back into Cardassian space. And should you turn around like, all right, it's all done, nothing more important to? Oh yeah, you know what? That's not give us Picard how it too. goes. I think it's uh, <laughs> I think you're really selling the moment a little short. <laughs> I don't think you're a particularly good captain. I can't won't take it. Order you to fly this mission. Then ask me. Will you pilot the shuttle, Commander? Yes. You're welcome. Prick. Oh yeah, like like Jellico's not. That is pretty snotty though. I'll give you that. I mean, it's really like also, you he really to, you like, need to needle him. You already made him like beg, essentially. He deserved it. What's up? 
He deserved it. Yeah. He's been a dick the whole time. He, he relieved him of duty for disagreeing with him. He didn't relieve him of duty for disagreeing with him. He relieved him of duty for not following his orders 14 times, <laughs> then fucking screaming at him in the observation lounge when he wants to blow the fucking negotiations to hell just to save one guy. Yeah. Operative. Right on schedule. By the way, I didn't really think about it before, ever, when I was a kid or anything like that, but this is clearly just a fan in a fog machine and some purple light outside of the window of the shuttle just being blown yeah. past. It's kind of ingenious, though. Like, it looks great. Proximity detector is working. We should be able to read their ships at a distance of 500 yeah, that's meters. true. Don't make this too easy. <laughs> That's a fun little side mission, Jordy and Riker doing this. Hang on. <laughs> Hope we tied those mines down. <laughs> Do I want to know how close that was? No. Get ready to deploy the mines. So what do we open the back door and I throw them? How do we do this? <laughs> Captain, the shuttle is emerging from the nebula. Enterprise to shuttle. We're Man, data looks great in the red. Aye, sir. The mines are laid. Very well. Red alert. Stand by to detonate the mines on my command. Standing by. This guy's great. <laughs> Open the chat <laughs> to the red bar. Detonating mines? This is Cardassian territory, Captain. Your presence here is another deliberate provocation I'm to- I'm not going to argue with you, Goldamek. Every one of your ships has a mine on its belly, my finger's on the button, and you're in a very bad position. You can't intimidate us. Mr. Worf? Set off Alpha 4-2. Aye, sir. That was just a baby. The big boys are sitting on your hull, just waiting for me to say the word. What are your terms? Your ships will leave the nebula one by one. Each ship will eject its primary phaser coil before setting course for the nearest Cardassian base. But that will leave us defenseless. Mr. Worf, prepare to detonate. I will agree to your terms. Excellent. Oh, and one more thing. I understand you know, you're holding a Starfleet officer named Jean-Luc Picard. I expect him returned. I expect I want him executed immediately. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the stained glass behind this guy. <laughs> um, Picard sees his little torture device. It occurred to me when he smashed it that he might have act he might activate it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I would have taken oh God, that choice. It's crazy. Enjoy your good feelings while you can. There may not be many more of them. I've just received word. There's been a battle. The Enterprise is burning in space. The invasion of Minos Corva has been successful. You don't believe it. There's no need for any further information from you. Our troops were successful in spite of your refusal to help me. You might have saved yourself a great deal of torment by yielding at the beginning. I want to see a neutral representative. There is no such person. The word will be that you perished with your crew. You are crying. No one will ever know that you are here with us, as you will be for a long, long time. You do, however, have a choice. 
You can live out your life in misery, held here, subject to my whims. Or you can live in comfort with good food and warm clothing, women as you desire them, allowed to pursue your studies of philosophy and history. He's confused about the women part. With you. What's that? He's confused about the women part. <laughs> well, I mean, he should have asked him under a truth serum. Yeah. Have you ever been with uh, anyone <laughs> in an intimate way? You have a keen mind. All right, I see five lights. It's up to you. A life of ease, of reflection, and intellectual challenge. Or this. What must I do? Nothing, really. Tell me... How many lights you see? So, so dirty. <laughs> He's just doing it to break him before he releases him. How many lights? This is your last chance. The cards are coming. Really Don't it. be a stubborn fool. How many? You told me he would be ready to go. We had some unfinished business. Get him cleaned up. A ship is waiting to take him back to the Enterprise. Captain Picard. If you'll go with the guards, they'll take care of you. So were they holding him on the ship? What do you or mean? Or did they get back to Cardassia? In I always just, I just assumed they were still on uh, whatever three Seltris three, but one of the mines was under Lamech's ship. Yeah, but they all had to leave. They left. They got back safely. Why do they bother to release him then? Why do they bother? Just because to... they agreed to it. If they went back to Gradasia or wherever mm -hmm. Picard's being held, they've already escaped, haven't they? Or are you are we assuming that he's somewhere nearby, not in Cardassia, and uh, no, I'm and assuming that they no, I'm assuming they're accepting the terms. What do they care about terms, unless they're holding the gun on them? But I guess it could be just that they're in the in they're in the area still and they're defenseless. No, I don't think that's that. I think they went back to go get Picard to bring him back because they said they would go get Picard to bring him back. But that was under threat of blowing up their ships, which theoretically they're not under threat of anymore. But what? how does it behoove them to keep Captain Picard now? How does it help them to release him? Because the Federation can go, the Cardassians were preparing for an all-out invasion of Minos Corva. There were 17 ships, or whatever, however many ships there were, in the nebula, waiting. Then, essentially, they're admitting to this incursion, and then they're going to be at war. You're, you're saying it's implied in the agreement that they're not going to hold over them that they were planning this invasion? Correct. I don't know if that's stated. Well, watch Deep Space Nine. Okay. I'm just kidding. It's not brought up again. <laughs> there are four lights. 
I mean, I don't know why you really don't just fuck with him and put a fifth light up while he was sleeping. <laughs> Maybe he did. We yeah. don't see the lights. You never know. <laughs> Captain on the bridge. Welcome home, Jean-Luc. Thank you. Just the way you left it. Maybe a little better. That's so Computer. obnoxious. Transfer all command codes to Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Voice authorization, Jellico Alpha 3-1. Transfer complete. USS Enterprise now under command of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. I relieve you, sir. I stand relieved. Just the way you left it, maybe a little it's bit better. It's been an honor serving with you. No, it hasn't, you liar. Uh, already, the fucking engines are 15% more efficient. So, yeah, it's a little better than when he left it. He's got the, Everything's in chaos. Nothing's in chaos. Everything's fine, Andy. <laughs> you heard the descriptions of the shift switch-ups. <laughs> you have the bridge, number one. Aye, sir. This is, like, one of the only times you see, outside of, like, her independent crew sessions where it's like he calls on her to actually be his therapist his counselor I, uh, yeah I think you see it more later I don't know where to begin in the show it was I read your report what I didn't put in the report was that at the end he gave me a choice between a life of comfort or more torture all I had to do was to say that I could see five lights when in fact there were only four you didn't say it no no but I was going to I would have told him anything anything at all but more than that I believe that I could see five lights and that's the problem with torture <laughs> brought to you by Star Trek okay let's See. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. You showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. I mean, Riker laid the mines. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think we're in agreement. It's Jellico, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Look, without Riker, uh -huh. his plan doesn't work. Oh no, no, no! Because Jordy's like, I could do it, but the man he, he wants, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't know if it's good. So obviously, already, you know, Jordy's <laughs> in there being like, I could get this done. 
Riker can also get this done. Probably a little he's better not than me. Saying, he's saying that it's it's not as sure of a, of a victory with him. Yeah, but we don't know that Jordy couldn't do it. Uh-huh. Even from Jordy's own <laughs> words. <laughs> so... <laughs> just, 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 just asking. Who do you think might be the most valuable crew member here? Well, let's see. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, Data does know how how to get somewhere in an hour. That's good. <laughs> uh, All right, I'll agree on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, everyone. I can't believe it. How many Andy's does this episode get? Andy, part two, Chain of Command, part two. Uh, you know, it's now it's time you get you get one Andy to ten Andys. I mean, I suppose you go zero Andys to ten Andys. Yeah. How many Andys do you think this episode gets? It's incredibly good. The scenes between David Warner and and uh, and Patrick Stewart are amazing. Ronnie Cox really doesn't. And anyway, you slice what is what you think about his character. It's just an amazing performance. Um. And uh, good resolution, everything. Um, I don't know if the face-offs between the the Cardassians and the Enterprise are at a ten uh, outside of Picard and uh, and David Warner. Uh, although they're real good, so I guess I would give it a nine. Um, I think that it's probably probably a nine for me also i think the as a whole i think the it's an 18 out of 20 yeah for both episodes right so that's what i think andy we agree finally on something besides the fact that jellico is clearly the most valuable <laughs> crew member uh if you want the link to the trailer here it is you're probably just typing it just as easily uh, nah, give it to me. There it's it in is. the tr- There it is. And okay. All right, I'm going to hit play in three, two, one, play. A miracle turns a fictional character into real live flesh and blood. Yay! As far as I can tell, he's real. According to the laws of physics, this is impossible. But this new life form possesses a criminal mind. I'm afraid I had no choice but to take control of your vessel. And his ruthless power puts the entire ship in jeopardy. Unless we move to a safe distance, this vessel will be destroyed. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation. I don't know know how you do that trailer and don't have Reg Barkley in it. Ugh, come on. I don't know. This wasn't the last one. Uh, Um, Hang on. Uh... Here it is. Hey, Matt, will Andy enjoy this episode? Oh, he's going to love it. He loves follow-ups. <laughs> it's true. And now, I do love guess Andy's ranking. I think he's going to give it an 8.5. Oh, exciting. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the, uh, the sheer amount of... Um, Worms that are going to be opened on this episode regarding holodeck technology—it's just oh really—it's mind-boggling. I cannot—I no. cannot wait to have whatever bizarre discussion it is that we have where we 
I don't know. It's, uh, first of all, the the one question that's not answered certainly is uh, what food tastes like. So that is right. still a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love me some Moriarty. I'm very excited about this episode. Andy loves some Moriarty, and I love me some information I read that I will share next week about Moriarty and character oh, payments. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, in the meantime, everyone, uh, if you want more of this podcast, you can just head over to Patreon, become a member there, and uh, get yourself, uh, I would say, too much of us. <laughs> That's pretty fair. That's what we offer you. For too a price, you can have too much. Too much. All right. Were I'm you gonna... feeling like... Well, yeah. Go ahead. What are you saying? Were you, were you saying? feeling like you didn't need more? Well, <laughs> now you have a place you can get it. There is more. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go beam over to that sweet, sweet Excelsior class ship. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, Search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month. 